this life will all be over and our pilgrimage will end. Soon we'll take our heavenly journey, be at home again with friends. Heaven's gates are standing open, waiting for our entrance there. Some sweet day we're going over, all the beauties there to share. Just a little while to stay here. Just a little while to wait, just a little while to labor in the path that's always straight. Just a little more of trouble in this low and sinful state. Then we'll enter heaven's portals, sweeping through the pearly gates. My children enter in, then we'll hear a choir of angels singing out the victory song. All our troubles will be ended, and we'll live with heaven's throng. Just a little while to stay here, just a little while to wait. Just a little while to labor in the path that's always straight. Just a little more of trouble in this low and sinful state. Then we'll enter heaven's portals, sweeping through the pearly gates. Then we'll enter heaven's portals.
Amen. What a message. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews chapter 2. We've been blessed with our spring campaign and we've been out in an area where the doors are a little bit further apart than we've been in the past few years and as a result it is affecting our number of doors but boy we're still seeing God work and we're excited about that. We were able to hit over a thousand doors last week and Excited about that, and again, normally that's down from what it normally is, but again, the, the routes are so spread out. I walked two and a half miles and hit three homes. No, I'm teasing, but anyway, uh, but, but it's, it really is spread out, and, and yet we thank the Lord. Uh, the folks have been very kind to us out that way, and again, we're out in the Hartville, Uniontown area. We're kind of on that Stark County border, and again, we're kind of doing this in conjunction. Not only do we um, run buses out in the green, and we run a bus out in green and Uniontown anyway, and pick up um, that way. So for us, it's kind of in our territory, if you will, and yet uh, it's also an area where uh, this God Bless America conference uh, that's going to be taking place in May uh, has asked for us to give them a hand, and we're more than happy to do so. So we're kind of we're, we're, we're letting folks know about Community Baptist Temple, trying to witness to them about Jesus Christ, and then also sharing a, a, a card that has to do with that particular God Bless America conference uh, on May the 2nd, 3rd, and 4th of uh, this coming month. So anyway, uh, just really going well. I think we've seen six people come to Christ already, 
and a number of contacts and like I said over a thousand doors. We are still waiting on uh, the Spanish ministry to give us their numbers but we're already over a thousand without theirs so I'm sure we're going to see some numbers there as well. But again, I want you to encourage you to keep up the good work with Tuesday nights, Thursday nights and also Saturdays. This coming Saturday we've got a big pass out coming up. I know Brother Cavan will tell you a little more about that at the end of the service, but I want to invite everyone to come on out and be a part of that. We want to hit 10,000, hand out 10,000 flyers and door, not door hangers, but cards uh, that, to promote our Easter service next Sunday. So why don't you come on out Saturday and help us. You don't have to knock on the door. You don't have to talk to anybody necessarily. We just want you to go through the neighborhoods and hand and put these uh, brochures on doors, and we want to hit 10,000 in two hours. So if you'd help us with that, that'd be great, okay? All right, well, Hebrews chapter 2, let's just begin reading in verse 1. We're going to read through verse 3, really. I want to focus our attention on verse 3 today, and then we'll, we'll just kind of see what we can learn. Again, our goal uh, in the midst of our spring campaign, I just feel like, boy, we want, we're focusing on souls. We're focusing on people coming to Christ. And so I feel that that's an area that we can focus on even on the Sunday mornings, and I think it's important uh, at this time of the year. Now, therefore... We ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. Now, if the word spoken by angels was steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord, and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him? How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him? Well, first of all, it's important to realize that this great salvation isn't some figment of a man's imagination. We didn't just simply come up with this plan or this, this great salvation. This is God's uh, plan. This is what God came up with. It's his property, if you will. It's his salvation, and it's a great salvation. Simply, we just continue to promote the great salvation that God has given to us because he's passed it down. The Lord gave it to his disciples, if you will, and kind of shared it with those in the past, and now they've continued to share it along the way. This great salvation isn't, like I say, some plan that some person came up with. It's not a religion that someone came up with. This is a great salvation, and it is his salvation, and he offers it to you and I. But again, it's a great salvation. I, uh, I know a basketball player that's pretty great from this area. His name's LeBron James, and again, he is getting some pretty bad publicity this year because his team went under 500. And that's the second team in history that he played on that went under 500 of course, the first one is the Cavaliers. His first year as a rookie, they only won 35 games. This year, they only won 37 in Los Angeles. He's getting some pretty bad publicity. But I'm going to tell you something. He's still a great player. I mean, he's a really great player. I've known some players, and I've watched some players through the years play, but I'll tell you what, that's a great player right there. I mean, he has a number of MVPs. He's got three titles. Great player. Years ago, when I was just uh, about 20 years of age, I took a trip out west to California with a friend of mine. He had family members that lived in Yorba Linda, California, right outside of Los Angeles. And so we drove across the country, and as we were making our way across the country, we decided to stop in a place called Flagstaff. It's 
Flagstaff, yes. Flagstaff, Arizona. And there is the Grand Canyon. I still remember getting out of the car and making my way to the edge there where I could look out over the canyon. And when I did, I'll be honest with you, I was in awe. I was speechless for just a moment. I mean, it is so vast and it was so unbelievably huge and large and beautiful. And I just sat there and the sun was beaming down that morning. And I remember looking out there and just thinking, wow, what hath God done? Well, I know that some will give, you know, different, you know, natural, I guess, erosion and all that stuff and say, well, that's just, you know, that's, that's just evolution at its best. No, it isn't. That's God. And boy, I'll tell you what, it was an amazing thing. It was a grand sight. It was a great sight. It was breathtaking. As great as LeBron James is as a basketball player, and as great as the Grand Canyon may be, they can't even compare to the greatness of this salvation. Not even remotely close. In 1 Corinthians, we're provided with the basis of this great salvation. Take your Bible, would you, and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, we're going to begin reading in verse 1. We're going to read through verse 4, and we're going to see what this great salvation really is. Sometimes it gets a little complicated in our minds. Sometimes we have a tendency to make it more difficult than it is. But the truth is, is that salvation is really a pretty simple, uh, pretty simple recipe. Notice what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, beginning in verse 1. Again, we're going to read through verse 4. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received and wherein ye stand, which also ye are saved, if ye keep in memory that, uh, what I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. Now, don't get mixed up about that believed in vain thing. If you just go back, uh, go a few verses along the way, say verse 11, 12, 13-ish, you're going to find that he describes and explains what he means by believing in vain. Uh, he's not talking about if you believed in vain, you're going to be lost now, or somehow you're going to lose this great salvation. That's not what he's talking about. But again, he goes on to say, by which also ye are saved, if ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, now again, he's declaring unto them the gospel which he preached unto them. Now watch, he says, I also received it, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. Therefore, what he's saying is, is that the gospel in all simplicity is simply three aspects of the Lord's life, really. His death, his burial, and his resurrection. Do you get that? Do you understand that the gospel is really very simple? We have a tendency to complicate that again. We want to do the simple well. We've been talking about that this year, and that's our theme for a church. And even we've carried that theme over to our, our promotion when we talk about simply souls. But may I say that salvation is really a very simple recipe. It is simply the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You want to know, you say, well, I would like to know, what is the gospel? Well, he describes it for us here, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And this morning, I want to share three aspects that make this salvation so great, that make it so wonderful. We talk about the salvation of the Lord. We're talking about good news, the gospel, good news. What makes it such good news? What makes it such a great salvation? I'm going to give you just a couple of things this morning to think about. Let's go ahead and have a word of prayer, and we'll do that. 
Father, we thank you again for this time together, and we are a needy people. We thank you for the salvation that you've extended to us. And Lord, I trust that many here, if not all, have received and accepted that great salvation. And yet, how shall we escape if we neglect it? We won't. Lord, I pray that if there be even one in this crowd that has yet to receive and accept your great salvation, that they would do so before it's eternally too late. May they even this morning trust and receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, not depending on any other thing but you and the finished work of Christ. We'll thank you. We'll praise you. We'll give you the glory and honor. In Jesus' name, amen. So why is this salvation so great? What makes it so great? Well, first of all, it's that simple. It's just so simple. I was in the first grade, and well, at least I believe it was the first grade. It's been a few years ago now. But I remember my teacher passing out a test the first day of class. She told us to make sure that we kept it face down. And I still remember I was one of those curious kind of kids. I always wanted to kind of peek and see what was underneath. And she'd say, no, 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 don't anybody touch your papers. Leave them face down. In just a moment, I'm going to ask that you turn over your papers, read the directions, finish the test, and then flip it back over. And I remember uh, that she said, all right, ready? One, two, three, go. And I remember flipping my test over, and I remember uh, looking at those questions, and I filled out every answer, and I was moving like lightning. I couldn't, I, I thought for a minute, what in the world could be asked on a test when it's the first day of school? But man, I'll tell you what, I felt like a genius. I went right through that thing, lickety split, put my paper over, a number of other students in the class flipping their papers over. Then she said, all right, how many of you finished all the questions on the test already? And I raised my hand proudly. A number of others did as well. Said, all right, now let's go ahead and turn our papers over and let's read the directions. Well, the instructions simply said, sign your name, turn the test over, and sit quietly. It was that simple. But of course, I made it extremely complicated and even flunked it because I failed to read the directions. Now, you know, many in the Christian life or many in this world are trying to navigate life and navigate eternity without ever once ever reading the directions. I mean, you got to follow God's direction. It is that simple. It's not complicated. It's the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so many make it so complicated by trying to add or subtract something from His way. We'd be wise to simply accept the fact and, uh, that God knows what He's doing. And that in our own human nature, we honestly do not know what God demands of us and know what God wants of us. We literally have to pick up his word. We literally have to read his directions. If we want to know what God has for us and how to get this great salvation, it will only be found within the context of this book. These are the directions. And so many times, even as believers, if we're not careful, we have a tendency to go through our Christian lives even. And we're, we believe we know what God wants. Just like I sat at my desk that day and flipped that paper over and finished those questions because that's what a teacher wants. Correct answers on a test. I was dead wrong because I didn't really know what that teacher wanted. 
I thought I did, but I was wrong. And how sad would it be one day to get up to heaven, stand before the Lord Jesus Christ, even as a believer, and realize we spent our lives doing something we thought would please him, but in reality was not what he instructed us to do. And how much more sad would it be to one day go before God at the great white throne judgment and stand there believing that we lived a life that should be pleasing to God, that our good outweighed the bad, that we did everything in our, to the best of our ability, only to hear him say, depart from me, ye workers of iniquity, for I never knew you. We sing a little chorus that goes like this. One way, God says, to get to heaven, Jesus is the only way. One way to reach those pearly mansions, Jesus is the only way. No other way, no, no other way, no. No other way to go. One way, God says, to get to heaven, Jesus is the only way. He's the only way. Too often we make life complicated because we fail to read God's directions found in His blessed Word. See, God always says what He means and means what He says. We talk about that course, sing them over again to me. Wonderful words of life. Boy, this book is wonderful words. And they are life. And so many times, if we're not careful, we dismiss the word of God because we already believe we know what it says or we know what God wants. But I'm telling you, this salvation is not complicated. It's not wrapped up in a bunch of complicated things. It's simply the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Don't make the mistake of complicating it. When you fail to hear the word of God and apply the truths of the word of God, you are headed for trouble. More than not, we're kind of like the man who read the construction ahead sign but decided to just, I mean, just ignore it and go forward until he finally ran off a cliff. Isn't it terrible how we disregard the warning signs and just simply barrel through the barriers to ultimately end in demise? Our eyes are, our lives are wrecked, they're ruined, and we don't even know why. We can't figure it out. Maybe it's that we're making things too complicated. Maybe we just simply need to listen to the Word of God, listen to Him, follow His instructions. See, you may believe that you can break God's laws, but you never really break God's laws. They break you. His Word is true and It'll never pass away. So you don't really break his law, see? It's going to be with us forever. But let me tell you something. That law will break you in the end, and it'll break me. Too many times our lives are flooded with toxic debris that corrupts our souls and destroys our foundation. We're left with wrecked and ruined lives and find ourselves even all alone with regret, even in the next life, potentially. Why? Because we fail to read the directions so often and then apply them to our lives. Hey, listen, this salvation is great because it's that simple. 
It's just the death, the burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Don't complicate it. Don't make it all about you. Don't make it all about other things. Make it about who it is about, Jesus Christ. Not only that, not only is it that simple, but it's that secure. It's that secure. In, in Hebrews 2 again, it's just so wonderful. He says, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him? As we looked at that other passage, we noted over there in the book of 1 Corinthians 15, we see here that he also says, it's according to the scriptures. I mean, for I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. Boy, I'll tell you what, you got something that's secure right there. It's according to the scriptures. We know that his word will not pass away. I was part of a communications platoon years ago in the military, and I was also part of a regimental talk. It was a TOC. It's an acronym for Tactical Operations Center. And like everybody in the military, you know, you're a soldier. And you're called upon at times to stand guard duty. Now, I don't know about you, but I never enjoyed guard duty. I don't know if you had to stand guard at any time or at any post, but I never really was a real fan of guard duty. Not only was I not a fan of guard duty because it was just boring and because I really didn't want the responsibility, but I didn't like it too because it was always after a long shift. It wasn't like this is all you have to do. It's like, oh, you get to work 12 hours and then you get to stand guard all night. And I always thought, man, that ain't right. But then again, I wasn't making up the rules. And so, you know what? A soldier just... That's the, what you do. You do what you're told. You, do what you're, you, you just do it because it's the right thing to do and it's what you're ordered to do. Well, we had placed the, that tactical operations center in a wooded area and we had established a protective perimeter. And basically all we did really was we went around and dug foxholes, just holes in the ground where, where the guys could stay in those holes and, 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 and they could guard the perimeter of this to tactical operations center. Make sure that none of the enemy could come and attack it without being recognized, seen, and an alert could be sounded and we could get at it, you know? And so these foxholes were all around the, uh, um, the entrance. They were around the backside. And I just happened to be in a foxhole that was not right at the entrance, but kind of back from the entrance. And out in front of me was the, the main entrance area where you'd have to cut through the woods to get anywhere else. This actually had a road leading in. And it was late that night. I'd already pulled that 12-hour shift. I was sitting in a foxhole with one of my friends, and there we were just trying to keep dry. It was kind of a wet, rainy night, and we got our ponchos on, and the rain's coming down, and these foxholes are filling up with water in the bottom, and so your, your feet are wet, and, and it's about, they're about four feet, three, four foot deep. And so here you are trying to stay calm. And, and, and we had dug them pretty deep because we were planning on sticking around a while. I had a couple of buddies that were up there in the first foxhole up there. And late that night, I heard a sound out in the distance. It sounded almost like a vehicle. And it just got closer and closer and closer. And I still remember kind of elbowing my buddy and saying, hey, listen, I I hear something. It's coming closer. And he kind of woke up. And we were kind of looking out there and scanning the area. And next thing I know, I see two guys walking around out there. 
I mean, they're, they're just kind of walking around. They're like, like this. Like. And next thing you know, I, I saw them walk up and I'm thinking, man, they're going right over there by that foxhole. And they got right beside the foxhole. I mean, literally right beside And that one guy, he stepped over and I could tell he almost slipped off into it. He went like that. And I was like, man, those guys, what's their problem? He pulls his flashlight out. He shines it down in and two guys are sleeping. You know what was really bad? It was the general and his aide. He had come out to do a sneak inspection on our tactical operations center and the security of it. I'm going to tell you something. That night was not a good night. (laughs) Nobody got a lot of sleep that evening. Let me tell you that. It didn't turn out too good. Sadly enough, that tactical operations center wasn't too awfully secure. And you want to know why? Because men were watching it. People like me and people like you, people that uh, have flesh and that are weary and, and get tired and wore out, But I'm glad that my salvation is not secured by my own means or my own effort. It's not even secured by that of others. It is secured solely by God himself. The Bible says in 1 Peter 1, verses 3-5, through Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Who are kept by the power of God. Do you realize that this great salvation is so great because it's that secure? It's so secure because God himself ensures it. What a great salvation. And you know, interestingly enough, not only is it secure because he keeps it, but it's interesting, we have his word on it. In Romans chapter 10, verse 13, the Bible says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. First, in John chapter 1, verse 12, it says, But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. In John chapter 3, verses 16 through 18, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. For the word of God so secure, and his word will never pass away. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away, he says. I challenge you, go to a dealership sometime. Walk in the door, find the most wonderful vehicle, that one, that perfect one for you. The salesman says, now are you convinced this is, the, this is, this is this the car you want? Can we put you in this car today? And you say, absolutely, you can put me in this car today. He takes you in the back and says, well, come on out. Let's come on back with me. We'll get some things taken care of and work it all out. Okay, great. You go back there and all of a sudden you both sit down. He's on one side, you're on the other. You and your wife look at each other and smile and say, whoa, boy, this is going to be a wonderful thing. I can't wait to drive this car home. Can't wait to have it in my, my driveway. Can't wait, boy, to show it off to my friends and family. 
And he says, all right now. He says, okay, we're going to go ahead and get this worked out. How do you want to pay? I'm going to pay. I'm going to pay for it. I'll just write you a check. Oh, wonderful. Well, I'll tell you what. No, let's not do that. I'll tell you what. Let me just finance it instead. I'll go ahead and keep that money in there for the time being. In another six months, I'll go ahead and pay it off in the end, whatever. Okay, blah, 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 whatever. You say, that's, that's, this is going to be great. This is going to be awesome. He says, all right, let me go get the paperwork. He goes up there, fills all the paperwork out, brings it in, sets it on the desk in front of you. And you say, he says, uh, fill that, put your name right here. You say, why do I have to do that? I, I, let's just shake on it. You got my word on it. I'll pay it off. I'll pay it back. He says, nah, I don't think so. You say, why not? You saying I'm not honest? He says, I'm not saying you're not honest. I'm just saying it's not enough to have your word on it. I want it in writing too. See, you could say at some point, I guess, uh, I never said that. He just gave me the car and I drove off with it. He says, no, I'm not gonna, I can't, I, I'd like to be able to take your word for it, but I've been there, done that in a sense in my life. I know you can't trust people like that. Not only do I want your word on it, I want it in writing. And if I got it in writing, then I know it's legal. I know it's settled. Can I tell you today that this great salvation is so secure, not only because we have his word on it, should I say because he tells us it is, but because we have his word on it. We have it in writing. I mean, we got it in writing. He, he doesn't just tell us it's secure. He shows it to us and he put it in writing and he says, this, this document will never go away. This document will be in heaven with me. This document assures you that if you will follow the death, burial, and resurrection, if you'll receive and accept Christ, then one day, I don't care what I say, the word of God, it's in writing. There it is. You're settled. You're secure. Man, I'll tell you what, I don't know about you. I got God's word on it, but I also got it in writing. Somebody can get to heaven one day and Peter, and he won't do this, but Peter says, hey, why should I let you in? I'll tell you why I let you in. Because I received and accepted Jesus Christ. Not only do I got his word on it, but I got it in writing. Let me show it to you. It's in the word of God. Why don't you go get your copy? This is a great salvation. I mean a great salvation. Why? Because it's that simple. Because it's that secure. But not only that, it's that special. It's that special. It's interesting there in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 3, says, For I have delivered unto you. He says, I delivered unto you. What he's basically saying is, it's for everybody. It's for everyone. Boy, that's a special salvation. That's special. And that's wonderful. See, when I was 10 years old, I played on a baseball team. And I played on a baseball team, obviously, with a number of other boys. And the coach's son played on the team as well. Now, I may be wrong. I've been known to be wrong a few times. But it sure seemed like he got some special treatment. It did. It seemed that way to me. I mean, I was the shortstop. But pretty soon I was moved out of shortstop, put on third base so the coach's son could be a shortstop. And I remember that later on in the year, it came time for uh, the um, all-star, you know, all-star game that would come up and certain, oh, like two or three kids from each team would get picked for the all-star team. And I, I remember that that year I got picked for the all-star team. I was excited. I'd worked hard all those years, trained like a madman. I'd finally made it to the pinnacle of success. 
I was an all-star. And I still remember going up to the game that day, and before the game, they took us to the, the it called the Red Barn at the time. We all got these big burgers, and they were big in those days. And a fry and a drink. Man, I'm going to tell you something. I love the Red Barn. i never eaten there before, but after that, it was one of my favorite restaurants. Never ate there again. But it was one of my favorite restaurants. Why? Because I still remember being an all-star, basking in the, the glory of, 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 of success with all of my friends. I didn't know some of them, but they became friends quick when you're that tied together in greatness. And afterwards, we all left that place, and we went down to the game. We started warming up, and I thought, man, I'm going to be loving this, playing third base in the all-star game. I've dreamed of getting a grounder and firing it over to first. I've dreamed of throwing it to second base and making a double play, catching a line drive. And they said, you know, we've got a number of boys here today, and not all of you are going to get to play your positions. And it just happened that the coach happened to show up and he knew the coach of the all-star team. And his son got to play shortstop and I got stuck in right field. I don't know if you know anything about right field. You don't get a whole lot of action in right field. Especially when it's peewee ball. I still remember thinking, man, I can't get away from this. This favoritism drives me crazy. I know I'm better in the infield than he is. I know I ought to be there taking a, uh, getting a shot in the infield. My pride was getting to me. And I ran on out into right field and thought, well, I'm an all-star. <laughs> and I just played the best I could and Looked like an all-star, because I never got a chance to show it. You know, I'm glad that God doesn't show favoritism. Again, I might be wrong about all that. Maybe I was just nothing. Maybe I wasn't any good at all. I don't know, but in my little heart, I felt like there was a little bit of favoritism. Boy, that wore on me that day. That's something I've never forgotten, as you can tell. But can I tell you, you never have to worry about God showing favoritism. He doesn't include or exclude folks based upon personal preference, no. He simply provides the rules and he accepts anyone who follows them. Salvation is available to all who will receive it. In Revelation 22, 17, the Bible says, And the Spirit and the bride say, Come. And let him that heareth say, Come. And let him that is a thirst come, and whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. In John 1, 29, we read, The next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him and saith, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. Boy, the Lamb was crucified for every last one of us. And in Isaiah 53, 4-6, we read, Surely he hath borne our sins and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. And the chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. 
but turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord hath laid upon him the iniquity of us all. I'm so glad today that this God is not a God of favoritism, but he loves and accepts all who will call upon him. I know he loves the world, but the world must love him in a sense. It's not enough to simply be loved by him. You've got to be willing to accept and receive his salvation and how great a salvation it is. It is a salvation that is so simple, it's so secure, and it's so special because it doesn't exclude anybody. It's open to all, and Jesus' arms are wide open today. And the Bible says he stands at the door and he knocks, seeking admission into your life and in mine. Boy, if you'll just simply open the door of your heart to him and allow him to come in, he will. And he'll forgive you, and he'll cleanse you, And he'll move into your life. He'll empower you and enable you to live a life you never dreamed possible if you'll let him. Oh, not a life without its ups and downs. Not a life without some problems. Not a life without necessarily turmoil and trouble. But a life that you never have to live by yourself. A life where you have the God, the creator with you always. Giving you his grace and extending his mercy. And extending his love. doesn't matter what your race today is. doesn't matter what color skin you have. doesn't matter what gender you might be or what creed you have followed in life. God is no respecter of persons. Then Peter opened his mouth and said, Of a truth I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. This great salvation, this great salvation... How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him? This great salvation was conceived in the mind of Jesus Christ, in the mind of God himself. And that salvation was then passed down And given to those disciples. And those disciples went about the world preaching the gospel. The death, the burial, and resurrection. Today, you and I sit here today. With the same opportunity to receive and accept God's salvation. That they themselves had opportunity to receive. And it's a great salvation. But if we neglect it. If we choose to discount it or to push it away, to have nothing to do with it. We choose to reject that great salvation. There's no escaping the consequence. The consequence is none other than being eternally separated from God forever in a place called the lake of fire. The Bible says... In the book of Revelation, chapter 20, it says, And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was no place place for them. 
And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell were delivered up, delivered up the dead which were in them, and they were judged, every man according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. His great salvation, when received, when we accept Christ and the death, the burial, and resurrection of Christ, understanding that only His finished work can forgive and save us, we are placed into that book of life. We are found in that book of life. And we escape eternal torment. But if we neglect this great salvation... Our names will not be found in that book. And the Bible says, and whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. This is serious. It's very serious. But thank God for a great salvation today. That is simple. It's not complicated. It's secure. You get it. You got it. It's special. It's available to everyone. The only thing that will keep you from receiving and experiencing this great salvation is you today. 2 Corinthians 6, 2 says this in closing. For he saith, I have heard thee in a time accepted. And in the day of salvation have I secured thee. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Not tomorrow, not even this afternoon, now. If you've never received and accepted Christ, if you've never understood that salvation is not a mere work or effort on your part, that it's not going to be the good outweighing the bad, it won't be your upbringing, it won't be what kind of faith that your family had or whether or not you went to church. The moment you understand that it's all Christ, His death, His burial, His resurrection... It is then your responsibility to receive him. And the truth is, when it's all said and done, even if you never hear that story, if you never believe the story, if you never accept the truth of the word of God, you'll still be responsible for it. That's why we go out and knock doors. That's why we take time out of our schedules to tell others about Jesus. Because there's only one gospel. It's the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And only those who receive it escape the penalty of sin. How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? I pray that you haven't sought to escape it. But instead, I mean, to, to do away with it, I hope you want to receive and accept it if you haven't already. Please trust Him today. Receive Christ today. Don't delay. Invite Him in your life. Acknowledge His right to be on the throne of your life. And as a believer, why don't we thank the Lord for what He has done? And may we demonstrate it in how we live our lives, forever being grateful and thankful to Him who gave us this everlasting life, this great salvation. Father, we come to you.